eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. we got to go out to the guest line, and a guest we're excited to talk about, especially on a day like this, because we know he has a lot to say. His name is Stephen A. Smith. You know him. He's also, along with everything he does at ESPN, hosting No Mercy. You can find it on the Odyssey app. He joins us right now. Stephen A., Joe Giglio, Hugh Douglas. How you doing? Steve! What's going on? What's going on, Hugh? What's up, big boy? <laughs> man, listen. What's going on, man? Listen, so I'm going to tell you, last night I was a little bit mad at you, man, because when you were, you were talking about the Sixers, and you were talking about, did you think they were going to lose and this was going to be an epic fail? I was like, Steve, I love Steve, but he don't know what he's talking about. But damn it, Steve. <laughs> It played out exactly almost like you said it would last night, man. Well, I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't rooting against them. We all know I want Philly to win. I love Doc Rivers. Got a lot of love for James Harden. Immense love for Joel Embiid, who's a superstar. I voted for MVP the last two years. Um, I'm rooting for them. Tobias Harris, I've known for years. I don't root against these guys. Uh, even though New York is my home, Philly's my second home. That city's done a lot for me. I don't root against the Sixers. But Boston's had their number throughout this year, and I just sensed that the more the same was on the way. I really, really did because they looked so bad in game five. I just said to myself, there's no way on earth that, that Boston's going to go out like this, looking like this in back-to-back games to end their season. I just couldn't see it. And I felt that in order for Philly to beat them, they were going to have to play an incredible game and to see – them lose the way they did. How the hell do you not get Joel Embiid the ball for the last four minutes? If you're Joel Embiid, how the hell do you not demand the ball at some point in the last four minutes? You just look at it. Maxi is very talented. Love him a lot, but he's very young. So you can't count on him to duplicate his performances like he did from game five. James Harden is experienced enough. Could have been better, no question. But he's had three big-time games this series, as far as I'm concerned, or at least two big-time games. And so you just look at it, and it was an Embiid's moment. And to me, you got to get your superstar to basketball. And the fact that they weren't able to do that on their home turf says to me that the moment was too big for them. And if that moment was too big for them, 
that doesn't leave me with a lot of confidence for them for Game 7. Steven, where, where do you come down the culpability? You mentioned there, how do you not get the ball to Joel? How does he not demand the ball? What did you make of that watching it? Because we had a lot of people today saying, well, they got to give him the ball, got to give him the ball. And I say, well, he could put his arm up. Like, if he demands the ball, we, I, I know his teammates are going to get it to him. What, what did you make of how it played out? Who do you blame there for not getting him the ball? Well, I said the two names. I said Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid himself. I mean, you can bring James Harden, too, because you're a veteran and you're the point guard. And so you, you have a responsibility to get him the ball. But you also got to want it if you're Joel Embiid. You can't bitch and moan about how you didn't get the ball when you didn't ask for it enough. Okay? It, it, the fact of the matter is, is that you, you look at certain personalities. Okay? Obviously, I wasn't talented enough to be some kind of NBA player. But knowing Stephen A's personality the way that you do, could you imagine if somebody didn't give me the ball ball if I was to start a team in the last four minutes? I might have I might I might have hit somebody. I might have pulled the Draymond Green for crying out loud. Give me the damn ball. And so that you got to want that if you're Joel Embiid, and you've got to demand that if you're Doc Rivers. And the fact that that didn't happen, I'm not saying Doc Rivers didn't demand it, but it didn't happen. Those are the kind of moments where coaches are held culpable. Uh, there is no way around it. When Jalen Brown didn't shoot the ball uh, but three times in the second half and zero times in overtime, we looked at him and said, what the hell's going on with you? You're in line to get $295 million contract over the next five years. It won't be that much, but you're in line uh, for that. You're eligible for that. How the hell are you going to know that and not demand the damn ball when you just finished averaging 25 a game this season? But we didn't just mention him. We mentioned Missoula as well because Missoula is culpable. Well, the same applies to Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid in this instance. That's simple. So, so, so Stephen, to explain this to me. How does Joel Embiid look like two different people on, on, on two important games? That is, like you talk about the last game he played where they, where they were in Boston. He goes out and he looks like a man among boys. And then comes out yesterday, and in the last six minutes of the game, it looked like he was just disinterested. How do you, how do you look that different well, with games so close together? Well, listen, I mean, it could be attrition. I mean, he is not 100%. We all know that. Mm-hmm. We saw him drive to the basket, miss a layup, and grab his knee and looked a little gimpy after that. But what I'm saying is that if you're on the floor, you know, it's one thing. If he, It would have been understandable if he played the whole game like that because then it would make sense. But to wait until the last four minutes of the game to be passive, well, you're on the court, you know, for a bunch of other minutes prior to that. you got to be demanding. You got to make sure everybody understands you're the franchise and it comes through you. Listen, Jason Tatum shot one for 13 in the first three quarters. Okay. 0 for six from three point range. And in the fourth quarter, they were looking for him. Why? Because he's the man. That's why. And that's when you're the man on your team. That's what happens in every walk of life. Okay. I do first take every day. We can have, we got a whole bunch of contributors. We got a whole bunch of people opening their mouth and spewing their opinions and prognosticating and giving their opinions and all of this stuff. We know who the hell the mic is coming to when it's time. <laughs> you understand who show this is? They don't get it twisted. That's the way it goes. And that's I'm just bringing that up. It's not being braggadocious or anything like that. It's talking about a main principle. When you're that dude, when you're that somebody, the buck stops with you. It comes to you, and you have to make sure that – even if you pass it to somebody else, you got to touch it. You can't be a spectator. Not when you're that man. Not when you're the man. And Joel Embiid in the last four minutes was a spectator last night, and he talked in a post-game conference like it was somebody else's fault. No, it's yours. 
Go yeah. get somebody. Be ready to fight if you have to. <laughs> Give me the damn ball. We ain't been to the conference finals since 2001. We're 48 minutes away. In this particular instance, we're four minutes away. Give me the damn ball and move the hell out the way. Let people have to restrain you from getting the damn ball. Do what you got to do. Listen to Stephen A. speaking like a true man of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity <laughs> Incorporated. <laughs> Stephen A, um, home court, it goes back to Boston now. Home court really has a matter in this series, and it feels like it doesn't matter as much as it used to in the NBA playoffs. Last night, Denver goes to Phoenix and wins. Last year, Dallas wins a game seven to Phoenix. What do you make of what we're seeing? Do you think home court matters as much as it used to? It depends on the city, and it depends on the team that you're going up against. Um, I think that when you look at Sacramento, if they were playing against somebody other than a reigning defending NBA champion, I think it would have mattered. But they were playing against the reigning defending champion, so it didn't matter. Well, it didn't. I think those are the things that you have to pay attention to. You know, you can't just summarily dismiss that importance. If you're an experienced squad, it's not going to matter as much. But if you're not experienced, then it's going to have an effect on you if you're in hostile confines, because you may not be made for that. Stephen A., as we look towards Game 7, uh, the Missoula made the adjustment last night, played the two bigs, put Williams out there, and it seemed like the, the, the adjustment was, well, we're going to leave P.J. Tucker all alone, let him make threes. It, it, do you think there's an adjustment back for Doc, or do you think we just kind of see it the same way and, and P.J.'s going to have to hit those shots if he's open? Well, he's going to have to figure out something, because if you're going to rely on P.J. Tucker making shots in order to deliver you a victory of this importance, that's that, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. I'm not knocking P.J. Tucker by any stretch of the imagination. He's a veteran. He's tough as nails. He accepts the toughest assignments. He holds dudes accountable. Um, he, he's a winner. But my point is, is that that's not his forte. His forte is not going out there and making shots. Yes, he can make wide-open corner threes from time to time. And nobody's saying he, he can't. But you can't, you can't you know, put, 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 put the money on a line off of that notion. Don't work that way. That's not what it is. Just like Boston found a way to make sure that Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown is going to deliver the goods for them, the 76ers have to find a way to make sure that Joel Embiid or James Harden is going to deliver the goods for them. It's that simple. This is basketball. That's what it comes down to football with a 53-man roster and 12, you know, 11 people on the field at the same time. You know, the bottom line is guess what? It's more it's, it's a team game, of course. Uh, more schemes than anything else. Basketball is one of those games. You can have all the schemes in the world, but at some point we know what you're going to do and who's going to do it. And it comes down to what you're going to do about it. Mm. That's what Jason Tatum showed you last night. Yeah, I was 1 for 13. I was 0 for 6 from three-point range. But the fourth quarter is here, and so is my game. Now, I understand I've been struggling, but what you going to do about it now? Yeah, and the Sixers didn't do anything. And that's exactly how the Sixers have to do it. Stephen A., we really appreciate you giving us a few minutes. Appreciate you calling Yeah, here, we bro. know you're busy, man. No Mercies, the podcast on Odyssey and the uh, Straight Shooter, A Memoir of Second Chances, the new book by Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A., thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hugh, love you, bro. Love, love you too, too, brother. Appreciate you. There we go. Stephen A. Smith. I'm, uh, I'm kind of glad Stephen A. doesn't have, like, basketball. Could you imagine Stephen A. in the NBA? He would probably be the most arrogant, 
braggadocious individual. You, and listen, his game would back it up. That would be well. He, he'd get teed up a lot though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Because he can say what he wants now, but he can say it to a ref. You're out. No, that was awesome. We appreciate Stephen A. And listen.